Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. I've been told by people who work in professional restaurants that the amount of salt that they use is mind-boggling. And that kind of salt, that amount of butter, that amount of cream, you wouldn't allow yourself to use in your home kitchen just because you know better. This is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. I'm your new host, Delia Colon. Happy New Year. If you resolve to eat better in 2021, this episode is for you. Stick around for 14 tips to get you eating healthier, faster. If you want to eat healthier in the new year, you've got to eat more home-cooked meals. So says Wendy Wesley. She's a registered and licensed dietitian and nutritionist in St. Petersburg. Wendy says the more efficient you are in the kitchen, the more likely you are to actually cook. She shares her list of 14 tips to help us do just that. So you have some tips for getting us to cook faster in the kitchen. And before we get to the tips, why is it important to be quick in the kitchen? I really believe that uh, we have the best health outcomes when we cook the majority of our meals at home. And I realize for a lot of people, there's a lack of knowledge or it's not a pleasurable task to cook at home or people don't know what to cook or they don't know what to buy or they don't have the uh, right equipment or they have too much equipment. So I put this list together and over the years it's grown to 14 tips because as a dietitian, I want people to cook and eat the majority of their food at home and not rely so much on restaurant and takeout food. I love restaurants, please don't get me wrong, but people relying on other people to cook their food is a driver of chronic disease like diabetes and cardiac disease. Yeah, and when you cook it yourself, even if it was something that you would have ordered at a restaurant, like say French fries, you realize how much work and maybe ingredients that you wouldn't you wouldn't want to acknowledge that you're eating. It's like you see how the sausage gets made and you you want less of the sausage, I guess. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I've been told by people who work in professional restaurants that the amount of salt that they use is mind boggling. And that kind of salt, that amount of butter, that amount of cream, you wouldn't allow yourself to use in your home kitchen just because you know better. And so restaurant food tastes amazing. It's because they're incredibly heavy handed with salt and cream and butter and, um, you know, other things, you know, you throw out like fried chicken on your salad, croutons, cheese. These are all things that you might not add to your home salad. But when you go to a restaurant, they throw those things on. And that really adds to a, a very, you know, calorically dense salad and one that can uh, exacerbate diabetes and cardiac disease and other diseases. Oh, what a bummer, Wendy. OK, let's get to the tips. What's tip number one? Tip number one is my favorite one, and it's why I put it first. It's keeping a cutting board out on the counter. This way, this big wooden cutting board, preferably a big 
wooden cutting board is always ready for you. So to cut a piece of fruit or to cut a vegetable for a snack, that way it saves a step. You don't have to go underneath, bring out this big wooden cutting board, put it on the counter. It's just a permanent fixture in your kitchen. Mm, that's good. You know, I started keeping my pots and pans on the stove, which visually I don't enjoy, but it saves me from having to reach under the counter and get them. And anything that saves me one step makes me more likely to cook. So that's great. Keep your cutting board on the counter. How about number two? Uh, number two is um, create flow, if you can, in your kitchen called wash, chop, cook. So it's to put your cutting board somewhere in between your sink and your cooktop. So you wash the fruits and vegetables, you cut them, and then they go right to the stove. And it's this effortless flow if this is something that you can create in your kitchen. Or if you are designing a kitchen to keep this in mind, that you want to wash the food, cut the food, cook the food. So wash, chop, cook. That makes sense. Now, how did you come up with that? Because it seems so logical, but it's one of those things that could be a little annoyance if you weren't really planning it out. So is this is this based on um, personal experience? It is based on personal experience. I was working with a kitchen designer and she tipped me off to this. And I thought, well, this was years ago. I thought, okay, she was completely right. Because if your sink is on the other side of your cooktop, then you're carrying wet food over to the cooktop. And it's nice to just to kind of keep it all contained in one area. Sometimes these big fancy designer kitchens, they look good, but as far as cooking is concerned, it's a, it requires a lot of steps because the kitchen is so big and the sink is way over on one side and the cooktop is way over the other and the refrigerator's in the opposite corner. And so you end up exhausting yourself in some of these big kitchens because they were designed for aesthetics and not for work. And I always say, design your kitchen for work. A kitchen is a place of work. It should be a pleasing place, but its ability to serve your needs, cooking comes first before it's aesthetic. Function over fashion. A hundred percent function over fashion in a kitchen. And you mentioned the keeping your pots out on the cooktop. Um, one of my tips is to, if you can, install a pot rack because sometimes I don't know what to cook and I'll look up at my pots and um, I will get an idea for something to cook because a pot reminds me of something I cooked in it a week ago or a couple weeks ago. So I like to look at my pots and I like for them to inspire my cooking. Oh, that's good. That's a bonus tip. All right. Number three. This is so important. You've got to be well stocked. You've got to have the kitchen staples in your pantry and your refrigerator. And I have an exhaustible list of these available to anyone. It's the basic salt, pepper, oil, butter, eggs, onion, garlic. I could go on rice, and this means that you don't have to go to the store to buy butter. You don't have to go to the store to buy rice. It's already in the pantry. And so you can have one special ingredient you brought home and you've got everything else you need to make that meal. So you've got to have a well-stocked pantry. Does the definition of a well-stocked pantry vary from person to person? I understand that there are certain staples we all need, like oil and salt and pepper. But if you're on a particular diet or if you notice yourself eating the same foods, you know, <laughs> I found an old Publix receipt in a coat, in a winter coat that I haven't worn in years because I don't live in Ohio anymore. I never need my winter coat. And it had steel cut oats, raisins, blueberries. It was the exact breakfast that I eat to this day. And the receipt was like 15 years old. So for me, those things are staples. Should people kind of pay attention to what they're eating regularly and include those in their list of staples? 
Absolutely. If, I think that um, the more we can habitualize healthy eating and your menu sounds like a very, very good example of a, of a great breakfast, that's okay. I also encourage people to um, every now and then step out of their comfort zone and buy a new ingredient and see if it becomes part of the routine or part of the staples. For instance, curry paste is, is a new staple item for me. I used to use curried powder. I still have lots of curried powder, but now I use paste and I prefer it. Oh, that's fun. And then when you find a new recipe on Pinterest or something, you have that as one of your staples. And having kids, I don't know if you have kids, but it's fun to let them pick out like a new fruit or vegetable at the the farm stand too. And just, oh, what is that? And then we all get to try it together. And yes, my breakfast is healthy, but it's kind of all downhill from there. So I'm curious to hear the rest <laughs> of your tips so I can like round out my day in a healthier way. What is tip number four? Sharp knives. You have got to have sharp knives and they don't have to be expensive. It just has to be sharp. And I teach people how to uh, sharpen knives that are not expensive, but to keep a good blade on them, you'll work so much faster and you'll work so much safer if you have sharp knives. A chef told me that I should sharpen my knives every time I cook, and I've started doing that, and it makes a big difference. Am I over-sharpening? No, I don't think so. I hone my knife with just a quick couple of passes on the honing steel before I cook, but then every now and then I'll get out all my knives and I'll sharpen them on a stone. And if people don't like to use a stone, they can use an electric sharpener, that's okay, but the steel is something you could do, you could hone it before you cut anything. And that's just, a, it takes five seconds to make a couple passes on the on the honing steel. Okay. That's actually what I'm doing. So I'm honing and I don't know that I've ever sharpened my knives. So that is something I will look into when we're done with this conversation. But thank okay. you. That's a great tip, especially if you're going to be chopping vegetables and things like that. And high fiber food will dull your knife. High fiber food dulls your knife. And I want everyone to eat a lot more fiber. So you have to have sharp knives if you're going to cook fiber, cook high fiber foods. Oh, interesting. So if somebody has like a perfect set of knives, then they may eat out a lot because <laughs> they're never <laughs> chopping the, the veggies. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. If you're going to if you're going to cut fruits and vegetables with skins that are very high fiber, you've got to have sharp knives. Yeah. OK, that's a great tip. Tip number five. Okay. Um, purge tools and gadgets. If you haven't used it in six months, throw it away. And I usually tell people to take all of their gadgets, put them in a box and send them to the garage. And then as you need them, pull them out. And if you pull them out within a year, they get to stay. And if you don't pull them out within a year, maybe you want to donate them to the thrift store. Because I really believe that too many gadgets... They clutter the kitchen, and I think they rob the kitchen of energy and focus. And so the things that get to stay in the kitchen are only the workhorse utensils and gadgets and pieces that really serve you, that don't siphon off your energy or your attention. I love that. Marie Kondo would say they have to spark joy. <laughs> and actually, I've heard a lot of people say the same thing about getting rid of clothing. If you don't wear it in six months or a year, you probably never will. So that's a great yeah. one. I believe that. And then go, moving on to number six is the same thing, but with pots and pans. I think you should have your workhorse pots and pans that serve you and the rest of them. Don't clutter your kitchen or waste space with all of this extra fancy stuff. You just need sautés and you need fry pans and you need saucepans and you need lids and that's it. You know, oh, and cast iron. You should have some cast iron too. <laughs> 
I wonder if it's aspirational. Like, I want to be the type of person who makes waffles every Sunday, so I have a waffle maker, and I want to be the type of person who makes pasta every Monday, so I have a pasta machine. Is it just about getting real with yourself? Like, this is the level of cook that I am, and I don't need a bunch of fancy gadgets. They're just actually going to slow me down. I completely agree. You know, you just come clean with yourself. I think they can rob you of attention or especially precious space. And whatever you do, don't leave these gadgets out on the countertop. Countertops are precious real estate. And sometimes I walk into people's kitchens and they've got like a bread machine out on the counter. And I ask, when's the last time you used that? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. A couple years ago, I would recommend that that bread machine probably go away because countertop is a very, very precious thing in the kitchen. And you don't want that bread machine to make you feel bad because you bought it. You Maybe you spent a lot of money on it and you didn't end up using it. So your kitchen should, as Kondo says, spark joy, spark inspiration, spark work and efficiency. Yeah, I completely agree. How about number seven? Well, I mentioned it earlier, consider a pot rack. You know, if they're, if they're with thin sight, then your pots and pans can kind of inspire you to cook a dish. And then you also don't have to kneel down and pull your pans out of a a dark corner cabinet. They're out, they're in the light, and they're in front of you. And they're saying, hey, remember me? You You made a cool saute in me last week. Why don't you kick that up again? So my pots definitely inspire me to cook, and I like to look at them. All right, we are uh, halfway, and so let's check out tip number eight. Yeah, you should keep your spices, oils, and utensils within reach where you are cooking. So I have a, I guess it's a cylinder, and I put spatulas, wooden spoons, tongs, things like that in it. And only if you use those items, do they get to stay? And if you haven't used an item, it goes. So only workhorse utensils stay right there where you cook. Also, I like to keep the spices that I use on a regular basis right in front of me where I cook so I don't have to go into the pantry or a cupboard. So a spice rack is very, very good for that. And then I keep oils right there at where I cook. So I can just grab the oil, put it in the pan and put it back. I'm not walking across the kitchen looking for oil from the pantry. So these things that you use every time you cook, which are spices, oils, salt and pepper, and these workhorse utensils like wooden spoons and spatulas, they get to stay where you do your cooking. I was told that they should stay in a dark corner so they don't get too warm. Is there any truth to that? I I go through oil so quickly that I don't think it's an issue. My oils don't go rancid, but if you if you You shouldn't put a specialty oil out that you never use because it can go rancid in this heat. But if you're using it, you know, you'll go through it pretty quick. My husband bought some truffle oil to make these really good tacos, but then he never used it again. And I just started using it for any old day. And he was Mm -hmm. a little bit appalled. But I said, you're never going to use this. You know it and I know it. So (laughs) let's just let it let it live its life. What is tip number nine? Well, tip number nine, I stole from a, uh, she's a TV, can I say her name? Rachel Ray. I stole it from Rachel Ray. It's use a garbage bag or a bowl. So I've watched people in their kitchens, they'll cut something and then they'll carry it over to the trash can and then they'll come back and cut some more and carry it to the trash can. And they're wasting a lot of time and a lot of energy going back and forth between their, their area where they're cutting their cutting board and the trash can. So you have a bowl or a bag and it's your garbage bowl or your garbage bag. And as you're cutting, you're throwing stuff in. As you're cutting, you're throwing stuff in. And that speeds up the whole process. So that's her tip. And it is 
it's a brilliant tip is to use a garbage bag or a garbage bowl. It is brilliant. I think she calls it a GB. And what's more brilliant is that I think she even sells one. Like you can't just use whatever bowl you have in your house. But what I love is that when you're finished cooking, you don't have a messy kitchen. Yeah. And if you're a composter, then all of these items are right there and they're ready for the compost pile because it's, you know, it's it's the toppers of onions. It's um, potato skin. It's, it's whatever you discard from your fruit and vegetable eggshells, that kind of stuff. A lot of that goes right into the compost bin. Oh, wow. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Now, number 10 says thaw a protein, not the protein. What do you mean by that? In the morning, if you're leaving for work, um, even if you're not leaving the house, um, you're working from home, go in your freezer and pull something out, whatever it is. If you're a a meat eater, a chicken breast, um, some fish, some shrimp, whatever it is, and then give yourself permission to not know what it's going to be at dinner time. And then through the day, maybe you'll see something on the internet, you'll hear something on TV, and you'll get an inspiration. Oh, that's what I can do with that chicken. But just thaw something. I call it a protein, not the protein. And what it does is it gives you permission to not know what it's going to be. And this just helps you relax a little bit. Just take it out of the freezer, put it in the fridge um, or in under some running water, however you safely thaw your protein, and then just walk away and say, I don't know what it's going to be, and that's okay. Yeah, takes the pressure off. You don't have to have all the answers when you take it out of the freezer. Exactly. And if you have a well-stocked kitchen with your staples, you know, like your oils, your spices, your rice and frozen vegetables or whatever, the world is wide open to you as long as you have these staples in the in the house. That's true. Then it can be whatever you're in the mood for, because I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a plan for dinner and then I'm not in the mood for Italian, but I was already making spaghetti, you know? Yeah. And at that point, you just pivot with whatever uh, protein you thought, and perhaps it turns into a an Asian stir fry or whatever you want to, or it's a topper for a salad, whatever you want. Oh, stir fry sounds really good. Okay. We're closing in on the tips. What's number 11? I live in Florida and the toaster oven is my friend. There's no shame in the toaster oven game. So <laughs> but I have a, a pretty good sized toaster oven. It gets to 350 degrees in, I, I think it's like 30 seconds. And it is ready to, I roast potatoes, I roast carrots, I make uh, meatballs, meatloaf, I bake chicken. I do all kinds of things in it. The nice thing about it is it's, my big oven is not heating up the house. And in those summer months, that's a really important thing because I'm saving on my air conditioning bill because I'm just heating up this smaller appliance to do the same work that my big appliance can do. This is my favorite tip. The toaster oven is my favorite appliance by far. My four-year-old can make pizza in it. I like that I can make a meal for one if my whole family isn't eating together. And it can really do everything an oven can do. It's just smaller. So to me, the toaster oven is like the VIP of the kitchen. <laughs> I Yeah. And you know, it stays out on the counter because it's a workhorse appliance. What doesn't stay out on the counter is, is a blender because it doesn't get used every day. Or my food processor, while I love my food processor, it doesn't stay out on the counter because it doesn't get used every day. But the toaster oven does not move. It is bolted. No, it's not bolted down. But if I could bolt it down, I would. I love it that much. (laughs) And you actually have a recipe to share with listeners that they can make in the toaster oven. Right, right. This is just, um, it's so simple. I'm almost embarrassed to to share it. It's just some roasted potatoes. I just, I leave the skins on. I I cut some potatoes, toss toss them in a little olive oil and garlic, a little bit of uh, Dijon mustard and a little salt and pepper. And I put them in that toaster oven in 25 minutes. They're ready to go. 
the whole process takes, I don't know, in, in prep, because I have my cutting board sits out, my knives are sharp, my sink is right there next to the cutting board, the whole process, I can get those things in the oven in, I don't know, five, five to eight minutes. And mm. when you, when you combine all of these together, you can get these potatoes in your oven and they are cooking and you're like, wow, I, I, w- I am really working fast and efficiently and I'm not miserable. Yeah. (laughs) It's all about about not being miserable. It's all about finding joy and efficiency in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a tip to be ashamed of at all. I think it's brilliant. A lot of people probably haven't thought of it. And another benefit is that if you're cooking something else to accompany the potatoes that need to cook at a different temperature, those can be in the oven at, you know, 350 while your potatoes are at whatever temperature they need to be on and everything comes together. So I love that tip. I love that recipe. I probably will make it tonight. What is number 12? Number 12 is, oh, this is good. And I do this on a Sunday. It's called cook grains in advance. So just cook some rice, cook some farro, cook some quinoa and know that you're not going to eat it. You're just going to let it cool, put it in a Tupperware, stick it in the fridge and it'll serve you, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And if you already have a grain cooked, oh, this includes pasta. If you already have a grain cooked, then you're, it feels like I'm halfway there if I've got a grain cooked. So what I'll do on a Sunday is I'll just, I'll just throw on a couple of pots of water. I'll cook some grains and it really makes, you know, that weeknight dinner come together very, very quickly. I also do the same thing with oatmeal. I will cook um, a bunch of oatmeal in advance and then spoon it out and microwave it. Oh, I don't know, Wendy. If you could, if you could see the face I'm making right now, I was with you until you said oatmeal. Doesn't it get kind of cement-like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. spackle. Yeah, spackle. I haven't found that. I just kind of, I, I scoop it out. I put it in a, a microwave-safe bowl, like a, you know, ceramic bowl with a little bit of water, a little bit of milk, and microwave it. And I think it's great. But everybody's got their own thing. But having that rice already cooked or pasta already cooked, man, you are just, it feels like you're halfway done with dinner if you've already cooked your grain in advance. It's like a gift to your future self. Your Sunday self makes it and your Monday self enjoys it. I was never one for doing a whole week's worth of meal prep on a Sunday. To me, that felt like that's uh, uh, that's just not for me. But cooking a grain in advance was something that I found I could manage. Okay. Yes, I'm on board. Number 13. Crudité is a vegetable. One time um, I wasn't feeling particularly full of energy and I took some tomatoes and I sliced them and I put them on the table and I said to my son, I said, here it is. This is the vegetable. And he, he was like, cool. We just ate sliced tomatoes. I said, you know what? I don't have to cook a vegetable every time. I can just take green peppers or cucumbers or um, whatever and just slice it. Or I've even taken... Um, fruit, pears, apples, whatever, and just put it out on the table. And here's the, here's a side dish. And all it requires is a knife. At first I thought, am I being lazy? I said, no, I'm not being lazy. I'm serving a vegetable and I'm not killing myself doing it. And it doesn't have to be cooked. That's not lazy. You're working smarter, not harder. And especially for kids and a lot of adults too, it feels more fun to eat something raw because it's Mm -hmm. crunchy. We love anything with a crunch. Um, It makes it more of a treat. The other day, we actually did an apple taste test at my house, and I had red, yellow, and green apples. I found this little sheet on Pinterest, but you don't have to take it that far. 
And I got my whole family to eat these apples by like scoring them. Which one has the best texture? Which one has the best taste? And you could do that、oh. with you could do that with different colored carrots. You could do that with anything. Peppers. Yeah, that is true. You know, and sometimes you go in your fridge and you you see what is what it's on its way out. What do I need to eat right now? Because I don't want to waste my money and I don't want to waste the food. So you pull that out of the fridge,、uh, slice it. You know, peel it, whatever. Maybe you put it on a on a pretty plate with a little drizzle of olive oil, maybe a little salt and pepper, and you know, we eat with our eyes. So half of food is presentation, or more than half the food is presentation. So these cucumbers in the fridge that are might be on their way out, you put them on a plate with a little olive oil, and they are a thing of beauty. It's all about sales, right? <laughs> Final tip number fourteen. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to that. Making sure that the fruits and vegetables you buy are not sitting in the fridge rotting. So, as much as you can, try and keep your fruits and vegetables out on the counter. I put mine on a big white platter, so they they their color really shines, and they're always on the counter reminding me, "Hey, I'm over here. Eat me. You spent good money on me. You don't want me to rot." So I've got I have a couple of tomatoes sitting out right now that this morning they were kind of saying, "You know, you need to eat me." And guess what? They're going to be eaten for dinner tonight. Um, and it's because you know they're out. They also make the kitchen look pretty. If you keep these things in the fridge, put them at eye level, center, front and center of the fridge. So when you open the fridge, it's the first thing you see are those fresh fruits and vegetables that you pay good money for, and then you don't want them to rot and waste. So don't stick them in the drawer, front and center, right in front of your face. Yeah, that's great. Every time I finish a bag of kale before it. Spoils. I I just want to give myself a pat on the back <laughs> because it's、yeah. really sad when you buy all these fruits and veggies. It's kind of like having workout equipment that doesn't get used or something. It's just a little、right. bit demoralizing. It, it is like the workout equipment you hang your dirty clothes on, right? <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to my house? <laughs> <laughs>、um, people say to me all the time, Wendy, what is the best vegetable? And my answer is, it's the one that makes it into your stomach. <laughs> and whether that's frozen or canned or fresh or organic or whatever it is, whatever your preference, whatever your budget allows, just eat fruits and vegetables. Get them in your system. Well, Wendy Wesley, thank you so much for your time and for these great tips. I'm ready to get back in the kitchen. Good, good. We're going to be in our kitchens a lot, hopefully over the next couple of months, preparing good food. Wendy Wesley is a nutritionist and dietitian in Saint Petersburg. You can find all 14 of her tips, along with her recipe for easy herbed toaster oven roasted potatoes, on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Delia Colon. I produce the Zest with help from Cheyenne Jaglal and Mark Hayes. Copyright 2021, WUSF Public Media.